Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Wanna bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. So you're back in Florida. No sunglasses this time, but uh, you have the suit. Uh, I noticed the, the shirt unbuttoned at the top. Uh, is this fair to call you Miami Vice CJ? Is that a good nickname? I like that nickname. Absolutely. I'll take that one. And you can be sure there'll be no tie. I'm not spoiling this look with a tie today. This is just how it is. Nice and relaxed. Uh, went for a run this morning. Is Honestly, I think it was 27 degrees at 8 a.m. So um, needless to say, the NHL, if, if, if you're following the IGs of players or, or media people or what have you, you're going to see – a lot of Fort Lauderdale beach picks because it's it's gorgeous down here. Okay, well, I, I look forward to seeing uh, you getting your groove on at some of these parties. That's most that's going to be the fun uh, thing at the All-Star weekend, right? I don't know. I'm not planning to party if I'm being honest. I'm, I'm planning on being. I was in bed last night at nine, um, so we'll see. I'm planning to have a, a low key All Star, but nice to see everyone. Have a have a couple of Margos or something, but nothing. I I told you it's for the young ones. It's like old. Old CJ, you know, 2009 All-Star in Montreal. I don't even know. There wasn't a last call I didn't find. But, you know, oh, you get yeah. older and I'm not, I'm not chasing that so much anymore. Sometimes I feel like you're the oldest 40-year-old man I know. You're not that old. I know, but you got you to gotta know, you know yourself, man. Plus, I want to <laughs> do a good job. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that I didn't want to do a good job back then. But sometimes the priorities, you know, you're, you're, you're excited. You're in all these places for the first time, like, it's it's a little different when you've been through it as many times as I have. So, like, in terms of, like, the weekend itself, I know there's a whole bunch of stuff we want to get to. Uh, sports Interaction is going to come up. We're going to talk about Horvat. We're going to talk uh, other trade stuff. Uh, the NHL PA exec director search. Uh, I have a, a question for you about a, a tweet. Actually, two tweets that have gone around the last few days. But I want to get uh-huh. as much as I can. But I want to get as much as I can out of you with the all-star stuff. Like, considering you've been to all of these, like not all of these, but you've been to a bunch of these, like, like what do you look forward to the most when you go to these events, knowing that you've seen like as much as you can out of these? Well, for me, the coolest part is just everyone's relaxed, right? Like we're in the middle of the season. And if you went into an NHL dressing room, you know, six days ago, it's very business-like, but then you get here and, and it's all the, the top players in the league or at least a good chunk of them, you know, some of their agents, their families, you know, team personnel, and everyone's just chilled out. Like it's, it's really nice to kind of have this, this time in the middle of the season to take a break and be relaxed around each other. And so it's usually really a tremendous vibe. I think you, you, you put times 10 on that when you're in somewhere like South Florida in February, uh, because everyone's, you know, appreciating the nice weather. And, you know, one thing I've actually heard Julian is that a whole bunch of NHL players that aren't part of all-star weekend are actually down here you know, because of the all-star festivities, you know, that's not to say that I'll be seeing those, those people that don't have official duties with the NHL this weekend, but it sounds like this is a very player friendly locale to have this. And so I think, I think it's going to be a lot of fun for, for everyone who's here. And so I think, I think that's all it is for me. It's not like one event, one skill, you know, obviously we've been over about the game itself tends to be quite forgettable. Like, like that's not so much what I'm looking for. I think it's just more the feeling of being here, and, and, you know, have a chance to have a few casual conversations and, you know, basically take this deep breath before we go crazy with the run-up to the trade deadline and, and then the run-up to the playoffs and then the run to the Stanley Cup final, then draft and free agency. I mean, the, the next bit of the year on the other side of the break goes fast and it's intense, uh, but the intensity is dialed down a few notches right now for Miami Vice CJ. <laughs> yes, Miami Vice CJ. I love that that's sticking. Um, should so I, should I undo like one more button? Oh, 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 is that a little too okay. much? Did little I edgy? get it? I don't know about you, y'all, but I feel like it got a little hot in here. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, mm-hmm. are you like chasing like features? Or are you trying to get sources? A mixture of both? Mixture of both. I mean, obviously, some of the players that are here are will be some of the guys we're talking about. Maybe, you know, like Vladimir Tarasenko is representing St. Louis Blues, for example. Um, so, you know, try to connect with people. I actually remember... Last year's All-Star in Vegas, Claude Giroux was quite front and center because at that point in time, his, his, his tenure with the Philadelphia Flyers was winding down. So there's, there's still newsy angles to pursue. And then, of course, and I, I think we'll get into it, you know, the NHLPA is having an executive board meeting here 
on Thursday afternoon. So, you know, there's, there's news to be sort of chased down there. So that's, that's more my goal here. You know, I think a lot of my colleagues will turn out some nice features. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm a news news guy for the most part. I like doing features. Don't get me wrong, but it's not really my role at this point in time. So I'm, I'm always chasing those nuggets and, and trying to, you know, trying, trying to tell you what's up. Hey, look, I'm all about you telling me what's up, man, especially when it comes to NHL news. Um, one other thing I meant, I forgot to mention that uh, we have to get to. We have to give away uh, another one of those $100 Beer Town gift cards, Siege. Like, we, we, Did, we, we have this last one. So, after our last episode, remember I was talking about Beer Town? Yeah. I got a couple texts from people that don't even live in Toronto that work for NHL teams or the like that have been through Toronto and they were like, they were they were plus oneing my love for beer town. So that comes from the heart, and I'm telling you, it's a very hockey friendly, NHL friendly kind of venue too. So it's it's a it's been nice to have some of our listeners, uh, you know, get get a little merch and and some some free beverages from beer town. So uh, the last trivia question, I believe, was uh, what's uh, uh, <laughs> sunglasses CJ's uh, catchphrase? Uh, yeah. That's ridiculous. Uh, and the winner is uh, Kevin S, who's optimal underscore Hunter on Twitter. Uh, by the way, Kevin the tweet S. He actually put the tweet he put up is I've had some ridiculous nights at the uh, Cambridge Beer Town. That's ridiculous. <laughs> answer. So he even plugs uh, the Beer Town in Cambridge. So congratulations to you, Kevin S. Uh, you are the winner of the third gift card that we have, and the fourth one. Uh, Do we, we know? Will... Does, can he use that gift card at the Cambridge Beer Town? Like, is it is it good at all of them? Or he should be able to because okay. we don't even know. It's an, yeah, it's on, it's in Ontario, so he should be able to. Um, okay. And the last one that we're going to give away today. This is the trivia question for us. Oh, we got report or uh, producer Drew weighing in from the sidelines. Yes, he can. Wait. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I didn't figured even it say was that. The case. Producer Nick's on assignment right now. He's he's taking this show off. So we got producer Drew pinch hitting. Shout out producer Drew, a.k.a. Drewski, uh, tapping in uh, for us when uh, Nick, the slacker that he is, he's not a slacker. He's also in Florida. Have you seen Nick since you got in? No, but I'll, I'm going to endeavor to see him. But I he, I think he's been quite pretty busy. I can imagine that. But also Evidently, like, wow. he's too busy to, to do the show this morning. So do the I mean... show. Seriously. But also, like, holy crap, like, producer Drew. Like, he he does the LFRs for Steve. Like, like this I is... Know. This is legendary presence we got going on over here. This is pretty nice. Are you fanboying? A little bit. A little <laughs> bit. That's okay. Um, but yeah, the trivia question. Um, and and I, I guess if this one might be hard. At, you think it's hard? I don't, I don't know hard. how much I've talked about it. Like I've definitely talked about it, but you've it's mentioned not as, it. You've mentioned it. My biggest worry was that this like, is a deep cut, I think. I think this is a CJ deep cut. Yeah, but this has to be like it can't be that easy. But the only way it's hard right. is if like you've worked at another one, and I don't think you've worked at another one. Uh, oh, the no. question is, the question is, uh, what fast food restaurant uh, has CJ worked at? We've mentioned it before. The the, the real ones know uh, that the real ones for, know. The real ones know uh, you've worked for insert fast food joint here. I'll I'll give you a hint, but it's not really going to be a hint. But it's kind of random. To work at said fast food joint, you only need to remember three colors in a specific order. White, red, green. Mayonnaise, ketchup, oh, pickles, onions, oh. tomato, lettuce. That's the oh. order you you dress the burgers with. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> you still remember that? What's the last, oh, what's the last time you were? What's the last time you were at that place? Like eating? No, or I mean, I haven't physically the one I the one I worked at. I haven't physically been in since I left, which was I think. 1999 2000 Dang. 20 20 odd years anyway um Damn. and i don't even remember the last time i've eaten from this this particular i don't really eat at a lot of burger joints let's be honest so but i, I haven't eaten there in 10 years probably you don't eat a lot of burgers so like when you go out west you you're not an in and out guy out east you're not a shake shack guy like here and there but not, no it's not a big thing for me but don't get me wrong if i'm at a restaurant i'll have a burger like I'm, i just i try to avoid straight up fast food unless it's pizza then i'm that's my achilles heel yeah we still need that sponsorship with pizza pizza <laughs> you still have those good accept oh no those were spent <laughs> <laughs> those are spent 
<laughs> okay, so uh, please uh, tweet at my Twitter account, JK McKenzie. Tweet at reporter Chris. Uh, tweet at SDPN Sports. Uh, the name of the fast food restaurant CJ worked at when he was a young lad. We've mentioned it a few times on the show. Former employee of the month. I mean, I don't want to brag, but seriously, yeah, seriously. Like, come on. Like, we're dealing with greatness over here, guys. I also, <laughs> I also got shit once because I ate a candy cane while I was like, it was like Christmas no. time, and I and there was like a little candy canes we were giving out, and I ate one like while I was on the job, and I got written up for it. So. <laughs> No way. No <laughs> like way. 16 year old CJ getting called into the principal's office because he ate a candy cane and got caught. In a damn candy cane. Damn. You can't be eating on the job like that. Well, I didn't grab a burger off the grill. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just saying it was like a little, it wasn't like, I wasn't like sucking. Like it was like one of those little ones you just, anyway. Okay. Before we it let was a mistake. the show. I, I'm just owning, I'm just owning up to my mistake here, Julian. Yeah, uh, to those who worked at that so-called restaurant in 1999, CJ wants to let you all know he's sorry. I'm still if friends we, with some of those people. Oh, that's nice. That's cool. Oh, it was. We were a crew. We were a crew. Oh, I wanna, I wanna know more. Like, I think if if we ever do the live show in Coburg, like you should like invite them out and like we get like stories. <laughs> Okay, um, before we get to sports interaction, there is, uh, I did mention there were two tweets I was very intrigued about over the last two days. Here's one of the two tweets. Uh, there's one tweet, I forget the name of the handle, where they're saying what moment pre-Twitter, so like pre-2006, uh, they're specifying sports moments, really, do you think would have blown up on social media if it happened now? And I was trying to wonder, like, what hockey moment pre-Twitter do you think, like, if we saw that play out, like, we'd all be on Twitter being like, holy crap, that happened. Like, that some, wasn't, that like was something amazing. on the ice or, like, something. an off-ice, like, a transaction? Um, like, I'm thinking of, like, Wayne Gretzky getting traded in his prime. Like, if that had happened in real time, hockey Twitter would have melted. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That could count. Because I, I say, like, if we're just using every single sporting moment, like, I always think that the malice at the palace incident where the Detroit Pistons and the Indiana Pacers had that fight in the crowd, everyone would have lost their minds for sure. Absolutely. Also, I mean, there, oh, the there's, been some pretty, there's been some pretty violent things that happened in NHL history, right? Like the the, the Todd Bertuzzi yes. incident in Vancouver. I mean, I, something oh. like that probably would have, you know, like there was like guys were like getting sticks swung at their heads like baseball bats at times. Like stuff like that would have went bananas, I think. Absolutely, it would have. Also, like the Todd Bertuzzi one, the Todd Bertuzzi Steve Moore incident. With the way Vancouver Twitter is now, there would be blood, like everywhere. Yeah, like, I mean, I don't want to. I almost want to go, not, go, go, to go unearth all those violent moments in the past because the truth is, we don't have nearly that level of calamity now. No. You know, those are like literally like don't. you come away from that kind of incident. You're like, is this person suspended for an entire season? Like that's like a part of the conversation. Like we don't have those today. We're debating between two and three games or something. You know what I mean? Like half the time, like it's it's when you when you take a long view of history, like the game has really evolved and changed. It's not nearly so bad, but you know, we we still get lost in the moment sometimes. Chris Simon would be public enemy number one on hockey Twitter today. Yeah, probably. But yeah, that's oh. those are the ones that, that that make me think of like some of the most surprising things. Um, it's hard to remember before Twitter, honestly. Like, like it's hard just, to actually. Like how did we? Like I was trying to think, like when the Leafs blew that Game Seven lead to Boston, I guess Twitter did exist then. Like, so it probably went crazy. It did. I don't really, I don't really remember it. Like I remember the game; I was there covering it, but I, I don't remember what Twitter was doing at that time. But. I remember tweeting I during imagine. that game. Yeah. It was, yeah. I Anyway. Did Steve Dangle um, tweet during that game? Uh, I'm sure he did. I would imagine he, he would have we tweeted. We should unearth those game. tweets. It's going to be hard, but we should unearth whatever he was tweeting that day. Okay. What we'll do is we'll bring in David Bastel, and then um, I think in that little, like, during the ad break or something, I'll try to, like, find a... Uh, a, a tweet or two from that time. How's that? Sounds great, Brad. All right. It's time for You Can Bet That. 
Welcome to You Can Bet That with David Bastel. David, thank you so much for joining us on the fine program that we have here. <laughs> Good to be here, guys. <laughs> Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. Uh, very interesting uh, goal prop on the rundown today. Uh, I have to wonder if uh, your Winnipeg Jets influence has something to do with this. Uh, Mark Shifley. Uh, yes or no to a 50 goal uh, prop that's up at the Sports Interaction website right now. Uh, why do I feel like you're leaning towards a yes for this? Uh, you know what I am? I am. I'm sure crossing my fingers that I am. He's he's actually come out uh, of the gates firing. So right now he's tied for eighth, as you guys know, 31 goals. So he's 19 away. The Jets have 30 games even, 30 games even left. So, so CJ, it's a pretty good pace that he has to keep. Uh, I, I'm betting yes, just because it's Mark Shifley. I, I mean, the odds say no, this does not happen just because it's hard scoring 20 goals or 19 goals in 30 games. That's you, you can't really miss uh, on on these kind of situations, but it would be the first 50-goal score for uh, the Jets organization since Keith Kachuk did it, which was uh, back in the 90s. Oh, I was good. I was thinking it might have been Solane's big year that it might have been the last 50 goal season. That was 76 goals, was it? That's it. Yes. Yeah. Just before uh, that. Yeah. I get why you're hitting the S here. I mean, you're you're watching every game and cheering for Shifley, so you might as well have a little juice on that. But uh, it's going to be tough. He, obviously, he's got to stay healthy, and there's not much room for a cold spell. But you know, look at this tier. It looks like we could have six, seven, eight 50 goal scores, and and if we get that number, obviously Shifley's. Uh, He's going to be right on the line. It probably goes right down the last game or two of the season. Yep. I always love the level of analysis that comes on uh, these different uh, lines and picks. Uh, and I can't wait for the level of analysis that'll come for this next one. <laughs> What's the first uh -oh. song Rihanna will perform at the Super Bowl? The betting favorite right now yeah. uh, is Diamonds at uh, 3.20 and Don't Stop the Music, which has been on all over the, the TSN commercials ahead of the Super Bowl at 3.50. Uh, DB, uh, what do you think will be the first song played uh, by Rihanna at this year's Super Bowl? <laughs> Thanks, Julian. Um, no, no, you know what? It's it's funny you say that because the it, it it's in my head that you know please don't stop the music, right? And I'm like, so does she purposely go somewhere else with it? You know what I mean? Like I I, I like Rihanna. I think she's a great singer. I can't sit there and name off uh, the songs like my kids can. Uh, but, uh, you know what? The betting favorite is diamonds followed by please don't stop the music. Uh, we found love is in there at about four and a half to one lift me up at about five to one. And then there's, there's a couple of major long shots, but I don't know about you, CJ, but uh, I don't have a gut feeling on this one, but I'll definitely be watching it. Oh man. <laughs> I mean, the fans of the pod will know, like, I'm so terrible with, with this sort of stuff. I, I couldn't name one Rihanna song. Like now. If one played, I've heard them all, of course, because she's, sure. she's omnipresent, but I'm I'm not following it closely. I'll go with Diamonds. I'm going the betting line favorite, because whoever set that line must have some inside <laughs> info, because I have no clue on this one. I'm actually uh, intrigued at the long shot in all of this uh, at 17, uh, which I'm only saying the title here, folks. <laughs> Bitch better have my money. <laughs> <laughs> How was it all that 17 is a long shot as the first song yep. performed? 17 to 1. Yeah. Wow. Maybe uh, Rihanna, I don't know. Maybe they don't want to piss off the NFL. I can't I can't tell you that, but uh, I can <laughs> tell you uh to not forget to check out sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all the best odds before game, in game, and the best props. Again, sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. And I should tell you guys, most of our Super Bowl props have been rolled out. We'll be adding throughout the week, but there's tons of player props, pinata picks, coin toss, Gatorade, National Anthem. It's there, but it keeps on building every single day. So have a look when you get a chance. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Orange Sports Gatorade. I'm feeling the orange Gatorade. <laughs> yes. That has to be the favorite. Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. Thank you, DB. This show is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I take AG1 very seriously, and I take it every day. I wanted to try it because I wanted better gut health, sustained energy, better immune system. I was getting really fed up of taking pills and vitamins every single day. Like, geez, it's just, it's just too much sometimes. So having AG1, have it in the bottle, put yourself some water in there, add one of the supplements in there. Maybe a little bit of juice if you want to. Tastes pretty nice, tastes really great, and you get yourself... Uh, some energy again, better immune system, better gut health, and you just it just has you feeling unstoppable throughout the day. 
So I'm really happy uh, to talk to you guys about AG1 and all the different cool stuff that's in there. 75 high-quality ingredients that give me key daily nutrients and long-term gut health support. Uh, So check it out. Uh, If you want uh, Athletic Greens giving you, they're going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your very first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash Johnston. Athleticgreens.com slash Johnston to check it out. Shout out producer Drew for doing the Lord's work and actually finding, I know I said I was going to do it, but producer Drew did this. So thank you, Drewski, for finding tweets uh, around the time game seven of the uh, 2013 debacle that was uh, Leafs Bruins. Um, I think on May 13th, there's one tweet here. Bruins fan walked by to the booze of literally thousands with a please don't kill me sign. Uh, there's another one. Leafs win. I guess this is all Steve Dangles. Six. Yeah, these are all Steve Dangles tweets. Leafs win. Now who has a spare pair of underpants? Literally like the And then the next day is I'm pooping my pants. Hashtag Leafs. There's one that's just emotions. <laughs> and then just all these different emoticons. I have no idea. Um, there's one tweet where it's a, by the way, Kessel is a fat coward 90% of the time. And then Dangle says, Uh-oh. amazing sex machine. What the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> it was what a different time in Steve's this? life. This is pre-kids. Yo, okay. I, like, I feel like, yes. He might have still been living with his parents at this point, which I'm not saying as a shot, but he, this was a much younger Steve. Yeah. I remember uh, watching the the LFR he did for game seven and the intro is just him yelling the F word and he like, you see his like beard is shaved off. So he, and he <laughs> still had the old blue room. So I think he was still in his parents' place. That's, I mean... That's awesome. T- Twitter is like a time capsule. As long as you don't go and cleanse the timeline. Yeah. Like you can go back and be like, what was Julian doing in 2011 or whatever, whenever you joined? Jeez. Yeah. I don't know if I want people unearthing all of my old tweets. Uh, but it's I remember when Twitter started, I didn't know uh, what to tweet, that. which sounds weird, but like, I didn't know. There oh, wasn't boy. really a, com- a there wasn't, there, but there wasn't really a community then. So it wasn't so much a conversation. So you just felt like you were like, launching these like thoughts into a void and like anyway it's it's so funny how it's evolved i mean now now i just try not to tweet too much basically never tweet here's or else you get or you get dragged by an nhl player yeah and you end up being a trending topic in canada as steve dangle is as a result of a back and forth with brad marchand which was very very interesting to see i don't know if you want to talk about that as a topic but like that was very interesting to see I will say broadly, I like that Brad Marchand like mixes it up. Like, I actually think it's kind of cool. I'm not saying I agree with everything he might say or his points or whatever, but like, at least he's out there. He just shoots from the hip. He's he like engages with fans and media people. Like to me, I like that. Like I, as I'm just thinking, I try to think of like what young CJ would have thought. Like you had nowhere near that level of access to players, right. In the league, like they just felt so far away that your best hope is you'd like, see one on the street and get an autograph or something. But like, I love that you have like a current day star player. who's just like taking shots, like posting the, the dangle growl picture. <laughs> like, I think it's hilarious. And, you know, I haven't talked to Steve about it. I'm going to guess Steve thinks it's funny too. Like it's fun. It's all, it's all fun and games. I, I think like that, like, I think that in a vacuum, you could easily think like, okay, like that's fun. The one thing I, I dread is everyone else who kind of piles on on top of that. And like, instead of seeing it for the joke that it, or like the humor that it is, they just turn around. They're like, oh, screw you. You're a Leafs fan. You're, you're, you're an idiot who just yells. And I guess that's more in Steve's case. But like, that that's that's the danger of fandom, right? Like, if you're, you're blindly following somebody, you're just going to start spewing a whole bunch of crap at somebody who you don't even know. That's the other right. side of it. I just don't think it's that personal. Like, I think everyone's doing it sort of tongue in cheek. Like, you know, Steve had a pretty good comeback. You know, I thought you'd be used to being the third man. It, like, I think it's, it's okay. It's like, it's, there's a little bit of edge, but I don't, you know, I think it's harmless. And honestly, I would take many more personalities like Brad Marchand's in the league. Like, I think, I think it's good. Well, just, he doesn't, he doesn't give a shit. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care at all. He doesn't care. He's got like, no he... F's to give there, brother. 
No, he doesn't. He doesn't. And the league does need that to a certain extent too. Like they need like a a chaotic neutral persona who can do his shit on the ice, can score goals, and be a top level and is a top level player in this league. And okay, he mixes it up on Twitter. I mean, we look at the NBA and the NFL, they have shit like that all the time. The NHL, it's like so far in between between personas like that. So if he does want to be right. that guy, okay. I mean, what was the headline this week? You know, viewership on NHL games down 20% or something in the US. And I mean, that is the second tweet I wanted to get to. There you go. Well, but here's the thing though. Like it's clearly a digital world now. We're moving more and more towards that. I I, I think you want players. I mean, so much of what's going to happen here at the all-star game will be things that meant to like go a little bit viral online, right? It's going to be the players doing whatever on the beach or you know, I'm not sure how they're going to incorporate everything, but like so much of it is going to be about engaging fans in a less traditional way, which is actually just becoming the traditional way. Um, you know, and so I, I think it's great. I, I want more, I mean, so many players, Julian, like how many guys you hear say this, like, Oh, I deleted my Twitter app or like so many players do have accounts, but just aren't active and certainly aren't, you know, jumping into the, the scrums, uh, the online scrums and throwing punches like Brad Marchand. So, you know, I, I, as I say, I, I don't see any real downside to it. I, don't, I haven't seen him go like completely offside. Even the even the shut your pie hole, Craig. Like I don't really know what that was about. It was like a little edgy. I'd like to know what that was about, though, or maybe he just really didn't care. Just like whatever, you're a I nerd. Think he's just yeah. I think I, I I think there's a danger almost of reading too much into it. Like That's you fair. can overthink it. Like he probably just saw it. And he's like, oh, is this nerdy reporter trying to you know like you know. And I'm not, I'm not calling Craig Morgan a nerdy reporter. I realize we're all nerdy reporters, basically, to, uh, um, to the players. And you know, especially us, us olds like Craig Morgan and I that have been around a long time. All right. Well, as long as Brad doesn't fly too close to the sun, I guess. Because I don't know. I mean, like, I mean, it hasn't happened to you yet. But if that happens to you, for example, like, what are we going to do then? What do you mean? If he comes at me? Yeah, like what if that happens? I, I could take it. I can take it. Okay. I think I could take it too. It's just, I guess it depends on what he decides to stand for. But at that point, I feel like it's me going up against an NHL player. I'm not winning that fight. Yeah, and I'm not the kind of, I'm not the kind of tweeter these days. Like I'm not on there criticizing a mistake in a game or, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to give information for the most part. There's obviously there's some opinion in there. You know, yeah. I got in there. Wrexham got me excited last weekend. I tweeted about Wrexham. So I do occasionally put a little personality and opinion out there. But that's not opinion. Part, that's just, personality. Right. But I'm just saying for the most part, I'm just trying to share the news because I think that's that's why if you follow me, you're probably following me for that more than the, the personality stuff. Also, by the way, uh, I did notice you uh, put the sunglasses on. It just felt right. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. I get it's back right. in I'm the glad- sun. Yeah. I, like I if love I pulled, the fact you if I pulled this it. curtain open, like it is bright. I would be backlit. It would not be good for the purposes of what we're doing here. But no. it, it's it's nice outside. I can't wait till we're done. No offense, because I want to go out there and enjoy that heat. Okay, uh, let's try to run through these topics. Since we did mention uh, that tweet going around about how US TV viewership is down uh, in the National Hockey League, down 22%. It was at an average of 478,000 viewers last season. It's down to 373,000. So many people had a myriad of opinions why. Uh, personalities not being marketed or lack of personalities just to begin with. The officiating sucks. Uh, oh, the man. playoff format. Like oh, so many different reasons. Like they're not able to get casual fans. What did you think of that tweet? Do you agree well, with it? And if yeah, what do you think? Here's the problem. It's like a mirror, right? Like, so whatever someone thinks is wrong with the league and they, they see that, that headline or that story. And then they just like, they just use it to like bang from their platform. Like, what do we really know? Like, what are, what's TV viewership down in general everywhere? Like, is this just part of a wider trend? Um, you know, obviously people are cable cutting, cord cutting. That's been going on for years, but it, you know, I think it's, it's not slowing down. We're, we're in a recessionary like period if we're not in a full on recession, so some people may be making some hard choices about what they're spending their money on. You know, I actually think TNT and ESPN are doing a pretty good job. And I actually think this hockey season has been great. Like the scoring is up again. So I don't have a good hot take here for why this is happening other than, you know, I'm pretty sure we're all just watching less 
TV in a traditional way than, than ever before. So um, I'd love to like come at you and say, yeah, it's because the officiating, but I, I, I don't believe it's that. I, I think it's more of a wider industry trend than, you know, I, and, and, and I'm sorry, while I'm saying this to Julian, I'm not saying that NHL can't do some things better either. I'm not saying everything's perfect. Like sure. this is a not non story, but I just don't think, I think this, this became a bigger thing than it is, than it needs to be. Um, because I, I don't know that this is an NHL only issue. Um, so that's, that's kind of my two cents. And I'll, I'll be interested to hear what Gary Bettman says this weekend when he speaks, you know, because what the league is obviously diving into this sort of stuff deep on a regular basis all the time uh, about its reach, about what it can do better. And so I, I'll be curious how the league sees it. Um, but I, I don't think it's the doom and gloom the way that the headline kind of screams, to be honest. Um, I think I'm on the side. And I forgot to mention this as, as, as one reason why maybe some people feel the viewership has gone down. I'm on the side that is asking questions about how easy it is to access games in the States. Right. Uh, like like Saad Youssef, one of my colleagues at The Athletic, there's a tweet from him. Uh, he quote tweets the original tweet from Mark J. Burns, and he's like, well, I'm sure it doesn't help when people have to put the same amount of effort to find their hockey game to watch as they do to climb Mount Everest. Like, <laughs> if it's that hard, if it's that much harder to to watch games on ESPN Plus, or I, I don't know how it works for, for NHL on TNT, but if, if you're making it difficult for them, well, yeah, you're going to have fewer people watching the games on top of the fact that uh, the personality isn't what you want it to be or the marketing. Right, but is, TNT is in particular, don't you think they're doing a great job with personality driven like segments? Like they've done, I've seen so many cool interviews with players like during the warm up where got like, I feel like they're actually bringing some personality and their panel is different and, and, like, I find it funny. Like, I, I enjoy it. I see a lot of those clips bounce around my Twitter feed. Obviously, living in Canada, I can't see the broadcast. I don't see enough of you know, that. All the time. But I actually think that they're bringing personality out of the players. You know, like, they have, like, Tage Thompson branded as, like, they're, like he always sees – he's the player when TNT shows his game, he scores all the goals and stuff. Like, I think that they're – like, I like the, what they do for the NBA. I think they're doing – it. just – it's not as – it's not as much volume, but like, I think they're doing, bringing Absolutely. that same personality to the NHL uh, in particular. And, that, and I'm not hating on ESPN either. It's just, to me, I, I actually think that they're trying to do what everyone's criticizing them for. You know, I don't have the answer here, but I'll, I'll be honest with that. Like, I don't, I don't know why I don't have it. Maybe it's just as simple as what you're saying. Like, it's just hard to find the game. So how do you watch a game if you can't find it? I, I, I agree because you're right to your point. Like, you know, they, they have the casting characters they have on, on NHL and TNT. Shout out to Syracuse alum Liam McHugh and the rest of the gang there. Like, they actively are trying to, you know, be personalities. We know Rick Tockett's not on that on that group anymore. But, like... Yeah, but they, do you they, see, they like, brought... when Biz and Hendrick Lundqvist performed a song for for Rick Tockett? I Hope actually did. Oh, I saw that going around. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> I don't know. I think they're having fun. Like, yeah, they... they I... Like, seriously, I think sometimes in Canada we could use a little bit more of that. I know we, we were supposed to be maybe more stiff upper lip. We take the game seriously and you know, it's a little bit more almost like religious type experience, but like, I think we could all loosen up a little bit more. That's why I went down one more button. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. You don't have the answer to that question because I think there's, I don't think there is, I mean, unless maybe Gary Bettman has the answers, who knows? Uh, well, by the way, he's going to have an opinion and he's going to have a more he's informed opinion, opinion than sure. I will. A more yes. informed one than I do. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it still brought out some very interesting conversations throughout the week. And uh, feel free to let us know in the comments why you think a viewership has gone down in the United States. Okay. Um, should I do NHLPA exact director search or should we sure. talk trade? Let's do let's do the NHLPA exact director search and then we will get to uh, Bull Horvat. And uh, there's a... We can get it on the Leafs at some point because uh, I know you. I know I know you have a notebook, a Leaf stuff, and you want to empty that. <laughs> so, so for those listening, like, stay with us here. Um, there's a very interesting uh, story surrounding who could be the next leader of the NHLPA. Uh, one name that has surfaced is Marty Walsh, who is the U.S. Secretary of Labor. Uh, you know, he's he's, he's got his uh, his role and 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 has has worked in in non in, in union stuff for a couple of years. But another story that has popped up 
I forget from what year it dropped, but from when Marty was running for mayor in Boston, the Jacobs family, uh, you may know Jeremy Jacobs, who owns the Boston Bruins, donating to Walsh's campaign uh, when he ran for mayor of Boston. Uh, Some people are pointing that out and uh, wondering uh, if that's, you know, legit or if that's cool or if that's a non-story. Is that a story? It should be a big story. But like, like, what do you how do you see it? Well, the only people that can answer that are the players themselves about how they feel, because, you know, basically what's gone on here the last few months is the NHLPA hired a search firm uh, to, to interview and vet candidates f- to succeed Don Fears, the executive director of the union. There was an eight player search committee that was you know heavily involved in, in interviewing candidates. I think they talked to a lot of people with deep ties to the game, you know, player agents and, and you know people that kind of know the history more. And it's my understanding it's only been in the last few weeks or maybe a month uh, that Marty Walsh, you know, kind of got on the radar. And I think it was almost like lightning in a bottle. I mean, this is a heavy, heavy hitter for the NHLPA to to potentially land. And, and, you know, at this point in time, you know, I believe that he is viewed as the number one candidate for the job. But, you know, first of all, he needs the support of at least 18 of 32 teams. Uh, Each team is represented by one player on what's called the executive board. And so, you know, the question of does it matter or not that maybe the most powerful owner on the ownership side, you know, Jeremy Jacobs has, has been the longtime owner of the Bruins involved in the NHL's executive board um, at the board of governors. Um, you know, whether the, the campaign tie there matters or not is that the players are going to have to decide. And, and so obviously there's a lot of discussion about this, but I personally don't have a strong opinion about whether that matters or not. I, what I look at is, you know, how, it's hard to argue that someone like Marty Walsh coming right out of, you know, the U S federal government with deep, deep union ties in his past work before he was into politics, um, that, that he couldn't have some ideas for how to push the union forward, uh, to take stock of what's gone on at the NHLPA, obviously, you know, potentially make changes there, but it, you know, the, the players have to decide who's going to lead them. And so that's, that's the process right now. It's, it sounds like they're narrowing in on that because as I mentioned, I think Walsh has emerged as a top candidate, but, you know, we'll see what news this might be a little dated, depending on when you're listening to our pod, you know, Thursday afternoon, we might get a bit of news in terms of where exactly that process is at. If they decide to have a vote, uh, a membership vote on, on whether he takes over or not remains to be seen. Uh, but I think it's an interesting story. Maybe not one that like gravitates with a lot of fans, but it's, it's big for the industry because, you know, 2026, we have another CBA to, to negotiate. And, and so who is succeeding Don Fear will be important. How that person uh, and and ultimately his or her leadership team works with the NHL will be something to watch. And then obviously 2026 will be here before you know it. And none of us wants to use that L word or see that L word resurface. So, you know, this is an important time for the union and, and it does seem as though they have found their next candidate and not everybody likes it. That's just a fact, but I'm not sure if there's a perfect candidate out there though. Right. I mean, anyone they may hire, let's say they had have went for one of the agents or former executives that, that, you know, have been rumored to be part of this job, there would be people within the industry that have gripes about that too. So you're not going to get unanimous support. I don't think for anyone. Which word scares you more, uh, the L word or the J word? The L word. I've still got, I still got like panic sleeps. So the 2012, 13 lockout, I was working at the Canadian press still just before I went to Sportsnet, And I covered that thing from start to finish. Um, one of a handful of reporters at the time, Katie Strang was there a lot, Renaud Lavoie, um, you know, a few others of us. But we literally stood on the street corner outside the NHL office in New York, like in August in the heat, and then in December in the freezing cold. I remember we were there. There was a meeting like December 30th or 31st. It was like we're very close to Times Square. And like all the party goers are like rushing. It was like it was bananas. And we're standing out on a street hoping that, you know, Don Fear will stop and give us like a 60-second clip to file a story off of. Or, or maybe sometimes Gary Batman would come down and, and speak to us. But anyway, it was it was a really cool experience, like a unique career experience, but it's not one I hope to ever have again. Just wait, like how many hours would you be waiting for fear? Or sometimes Batman? eight, ten hours, seriously. Just like hanging outside? Yeah, because, I mean, no offense. I, I, like I'm not complaining with this, but they're not going to invite us into the meeting. No. You know, it's in a, it's in in a private office building, and and the NHL's office there. You have to get registered to even just enter the building. So, we literally had to stand outside on the street corner because you don't know when the meet like the meetings don't go from like it's not scheduled from three till six, and then we know at six oh one we can you know speak to the person. 
you know, some of them were long, some of them were short. So we just had to literally stand outside. It was, yeah, it was like, we had some fun. Don't get me wrong, but it was not, it was all in all was not fun. I much would have yeah. rather been going to games at that point. And obviously that's what the fans would have wanted and everybody would have wanted. So, you know, it's a pretty stressful, unique experience. And as I say, if I never have to cover another lockout again, I think my I'll be good. Think you know what way it's going to go? Make your bet at Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, basketball, or one of the biggest days in sports, Super Bowl 57. Get the action at Sports Interaction. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN or in Ontario, download the app using the QR code on your screen. For 19 and over only, please play responsibly. Let's stay in New York uh, and talk about the big Bo Horvat trade that took place uh, this week. Um, he goes from Vancouver to the Islanders. Uh, Tito Bovillier, uh, a prospect, Aturati, and uh, a first-round pick also going to Vancouver. Hopefully I didn't say Aturati's name wrong. I've been worried about that all week. Um, it's Atu Ratu. It's Ratu. It's not that weird because there's like a Y. So like it's Ratu. Sorry about that. Atu it's Ratu. Okay. It's okay. Uh, Atu Ratu, Tito Bavillier in a first round pick going to Vancouver in exchange for Bo Horvat. Um, what did you think of the move? I mean, I, I think Vancouver did reasonably well. You know, to me, it's, it's not a trade package that like knocks your socks off, but I'm not sure that's going to be out there. Like, I think that this might, signal to us that this is going to be a little bit of a buyer's market. Um, you know, there, there's some pretty big names available at this trade deadline, big resumes, uh, some star power even, but I'm not sure at the stage that some of those players are at and just, you know, where, where we're at in the cycle of the cap and everything going on that, that we're going to see massive returns for them all. Uh, you know, I think one thing that'll be interesting to measure is if this Timu Meyer deal comes down, does the San Jose get a package that we think is better than what Vancouver gets. Uh, you know, I think that remains to be seen, but it's possible. I mean, Timo Meyer is, is a player that isn't a pure rental and, and, you know, maybe he's getting a contract as part of it. Although, you know, I do think ultimately Bo Horvat is probably getting an extension from the Islanders. Certainly that's their intention and what the Islanders want. It's been suggested to me, there might be some advantages uh, from New York side of things, not to officially agree to that contract until beyond the trade deadline. I'm not sure 100% if that's the case. So maybe, you know, I'm not saying we're going to get an announcement in right away this second, but but perhaps they, you know, they they reach some terms and there's a better time to register the contract and, and, and announce it um, than, than just this this moment. But you know, I, I think under the circumstances, it, it removes you know a big bit of speculation, turmoil, chaos for the Canucks. You know, Bohorvat's been pretty open in his his media availabilities about how tough the season was. I think he really wanted to see this end sooner rather than later. And so I think it's nice for everybody involved that they can reach this conclusion. Now, you know, the Canucks have other business they want to do other contracts that they want to sell. They'll they'll have to figure out what to do with Luke Shen, um, you know, in the lead up to the deadline. So just from a functionality standpoint, it's good to get some business done to focus on other things. And so I I think it was, it was a big trade. I, I don't see it as kicking off this like, groundswell of deals. I mean, let's face it, negotiations, there's an art to them, right? You need two parties that are both ready to do the same degree of business at the same time. And I think well, what we have broadly right now in the trade market, from my understanding and conversations, we have a lot of the sellers are still, they're asking a lot for their, you know, what they're selling because they got a month, right? Like, why not? If, if you don't ask for a lot, you're never getting a lot. But, you know, the reasonable thing that will happen over time is presumably we get close to the trade deadline. Some of those prices come down. I think that's where you know, the action picks up. Um, Cause I know teams have phoned other teams on players and then, you know, you know they're, they're calling on like a depth forward who makes whatever 900,000 against the cap. And that team's saying, I need a second round pick. Well, I mean, reasonably speaking, historically speaking, that's probably not what, you know, it's probably more like a fourth round pick with, when that deal ends up happening. Uh, but we're just not there yet. But what you had here was, I think Vancouver was motivated to, to move on, do right by Horvat. They, they got the best package they felt they could get at the time and just and just pulled the trigger. Well, I guess that makes sense because I wanted to follow up and ask, well, why would they do this now? It, it, considering the fact that 
you know, so many teams will probably want to max out as much cap space as they can. And maybe another deal could have come around or maybe they could have gotten a slightly better package. But when you frame it in the sense that a guy like Bo Horvat, and I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of players on the Vancouver Canucks do not want to continue enduring the season they're going through right now. When you frame it that way, it makes a little bit more sense. Well, and look, at there's, I think there's a misnomer out there that the longer you wait, it's that the price goes up. Like, that's not actually always the case. Sometimes there's an advantage of being the first one in the market. So every team that's looking to buy a forward, and there's there's a number of them, you know, they haven't spent their draft capital yet. They haven't made any decisions yet. So you're the first one, and you and you have a pretty attractive piece in Bo Horvat. Um, you know, I can understand. Someone still might criticize the trade, but this just might be – the market sort of speaks for itself. Like this just might be the best package that was ever going to be out there for them. And, you know, from a cap perspective, it's actually a cap neutral move because Vancouver retained salary on Horvat and they, they brought back Beauvillier. And so, you know, I assume because they were looking for roster players instead of just a, a huge package of picks or what have you, um, you know, pretty much anyone that was making this deal was trading something like a $4 million player back with some retention to make all the, the numbers work. And so, you know, I heard that Detroit was was certainly in the discussions pretty late. I think Boston at least was was around there kicking. You know, they, they're a team, for example, the Bruins. We've talked about this. Any money they bring in, they, they're going to have to ship us, you know, equivalent kind of value out. And so, you know, I, I think that the market was the market, and and I don't I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing to have made this move now because look at if you're trying to still trade Brock Besser or Connor Garland and Luke Shen. And whoever else, you know, it sounds like Vancouver is willing to trade most things that aren't named Pedersen or Hughes and aren't already strapped down. Um, you know, you can't you can't have like six simultaneous discussions on all those players and, and expect to get business done. So I actually don't mind the move. And, and I think it's a reasonable return. If, look, the, the, the draft pick is what's going to tilt this, in my opinion. Well, two yeah, things. The protected first let's, draft pick. Let's let's see what the dollar figure is on Bo Horvat. Does it end up being an eight year deal at eight and a half million? Is it 8 million? Is it 9 million? I mean, we know he's not getting more than Matt Barzell. And Barzell is at 9. Well, I should say, if he signs in Long Island, I can't imagine they're going to give him more than that Barzell deal. I think there's a ceiling there in, in terms of their team structure. Um, but where that contract comes in and then what happens with the first rounder? Does it end up being an unprotected 2024 first rounder? Or is it going to be the 18th overall pick this year? I mean, there, there's there's a swing there potentially in what this might mean for the Canucks. And that's that's the little bit of the gamble each side takes. Um, I don't think it's the worst gamble if you're Vancouver to to bet on the Islanders maybe still falling off, even with Horvat. I mean, it's it's fairly old roster. They're, they're tied into a lot of long-term deals. There's not a lot of room to maneuver. They're getting elite goaltending last season and this season and still not, make, not in playoff position. And so, you know, this isn't like making a first round. If you're making a deal with Boston, for example, and, and you're trading a first rounder, I mean, it might end up, that being the 32nd overall pick, I think there's, there's a scenario where this ends up being like the eighth overall pick in 2024. And that's, that's not a bad deal for the Canucks, but we just have to kind of see what happens here in the next 12 months. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to wait and see Lou Lamorello. Just, we thought he was just lying in the weeds, just chilling. He pounces, he strikes, he makes a move. Um, I think it's time for uh, a segment we have not done in a very, very long time. Oh, CJ. It's time for Leafs Corner. We don't have any theme music for, for Leafs Corner, but uh, Leafs Corner is a segment that sometimes mm-hmm. happens from time to time when CJ has a lot to talk about when it comes to the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> and everyone makes that assumption that we're a Toronto Maple Leafs podcast. So, CJ, what do we have for today's Leafs Corner? Well, I don't know if I have a lot to talk about, but I think people are wondering about the deadline, right? Yes. And I, I would just say, I want to frame this correctly, but like one interesting here, let, let me let me just start again. I've been okay. of the opinion myself, and I, I'm, I'm sure I've shared it here, but in other places I do my work, that the Leafs are always going to be chasing a, a high-end forward. Uh, or, you know, one of the, the more impactful forwards available at this deadline to solidify their top six. I'm not saying that isn't the case, but I have had someone reasonably close to the team that is not someone in the front office, to be clear, mm-hmm. uh, but someone who probably knows what they're thinking to a degree who has been suggesting to me that he could see them being a more impactful move on their blue line. And so, you know, it's just given me pause because I've kind of been operating on the thought that 
we're talking, you know, are they going to go try to get Ryan O'Reilly? Are they, how, how interested are they in Timo Meyer? Would they potentially pay whatever San Jose is going to need back to make that work? But perhaps we should be focusing a little bit more on the defenseman available um, because it sounds to me like they're at least a faction of the decision makers in that organization think that that might be the best place to allocate whatever cap resources they have. So it's, it's more just to, to reframe the conversation because I'm not saying they're not in on a forward, but I think that they're considering both. It sounds to me like, I don't think that they're locked in on one thing. It's probably the best way to put it. I, I think that they're looking at, okay, we have X amount of dollars to spend. I actually gave the number on a previous pod and I was a little light. It, it's, it's been made to my, brought to my attention. I think that they have somewhere a little bit North of $3 million in cap that they can add, right. You know, at the deadline, that's the way it's trending. Anyways, we'll see what happens. There's maybe some things they can do. I mean, this Austin Matthews injury comes up, you know, I don't, he's not out for the rest of the season. So it's not like they can use all his LTI space, but, you know, certain things can still happen that change the, the picture, but bases we're operating right now, they're going to have about 3 million that they can use. And I think that they're surveying the entire market and trying to decide what the best way to use that amount of space is. And, and so I, I guess for, for fans of the team or those that are really anxious to see what their deadline looks like, I, I would reopen the possibility that it could be a blue line ad that, that ends up being the most of that space. And, 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 Let's face it, the, the truth of the matter is they'll probably add at a couple positions. Um, but, you know, let's look at the way things have gone. I mean, they've been using Cali Yarncroke uh, as a second-line player for a while now. He's, he's actually been reasonably productive. I think he scored his 12th goal on Wednesday of the season. Um, you know, I think he's fit in quite well in a, in a role there. And so maybe maybe you, you just double down and you improve that blue line. And so it's it's – I don't know if I, I'm getting like – you always wonder as a reporter, like, are you getting like – pushed off the scent here or something with, with this kind of info, but I wanted to share it because, you know, I had a pretty long conversation with someone who I think has a window into what's going on there. And, and, you know, he was telling me that if he was making a bet, so to speak, or if he was, you know, trying to handicap what they're going to do, he thinks they're going to swing bigger on a defenseman than a forward. So Luke Shen. I, I would think bigger than that, honestly, based on the conversation, like someone to play in their top four, um, you know, at this point in time, they have TJ Brody who plays the right side. Uh, you know, Timothy Lilligren has performed quite well. He's, he's sort of their second option as a right shot. They have Justin Hall as a right shot. Um, you know, Luke Shen's probably a third-pairing defenseman, I would think, on the Leafs this day and age. Uh, I'm aware that he's playing much higher than that in Vancouver and, and performing well. So maybe, but, you know, I don't have the name for you. But I, I will say this, if you go to look at any of the trade lists out there. I've got my CJ's big board at, at North star bets. You know, TSN has a trade bait list. Frank Valley has got his list at daily Faceoff. Th- those lists aren't all the same. We all view the market a little bit different, but what's consistent across all those lists is there's a lot of defensemen out there. And so, you know, I could see them pushing their chips in a little bit deeper there, just based on this conversation. Anyway, I mean, look, I'll keep telling, I'll keep sharing here. What I hear, we're going to hear more specific info. I think, I mean, you know, there's been talks with Jake McCabe or, you know, who it might be, but I, I I could see them or at least someone I trust could see them going for a defenseman now. So it's, it's, it's forced me to rethink, you know, my own thoughts on their deadline approach. Cause I was pretty locked in myself on trying to figure out what was the best forward addition they can make. I mean, that might not be where they go. All right. And that concludes uh Leafs corner for today. And uh, who knows when the hell we'll get back to that segment. How are the SDP guys going to take that? Like, is like what? Do, what's your read? It seems like they want a forward, or I feel like I think they want a forward. I think they want they want. Uh, yeah, I, 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 in terms of the SDP boys, uh, Tic Tac Tomar, who I talked to on Zone Time, I think they very much want like a like a sexy top forward acquisition, like a defense. Right. A defense would make sense. They've been about, you know, they've probably could use some defense. Who knows? But a, a big forward, a good forward, a scoring forward. I mean, I thought you were going to say uh, the name uh, Ryan O'Reilly at some point. Well, I mean, he's definitely someone they're monitoring. And, and like, I think he's a possibility. But if you're, look at, in their current cap situation, even with retention and everything, if you're making a trade for Ryan O'Reilly, I don't know that you can then get also an impactful D. I guess, look, maybe they're shipping salary out in another deal. Like, maybe that's how they do it. Maybe they end up doing both, right? And so, like, 
my thought was right and my sources thought was right. Like it's possible that's the case, right? But right now it almost looks like it's one or the other in terms of like a bigger edition, just because there's not there's not an endless amount of cap space there unless they're clearing out some. So, you know, it's funny. I I, I think Dangle wants the Leafs to chase a D. So maybe, maybe Dangle knows too. I don't know. But uh it's gonna be intriguing. Obviously, I'm just sharing what I'm hearing too. I mean, I, I know that fans. Yes. You know, I, I don't expect the Leafs to be making a move anytime. Like, I think that they will maximize the space. They'll see how the market develops. They have an ability to be patient, right? They're locked in. They're either finishing second or third in the Atlantic division, more than likely, unless something crazy happens. So I think that they have the benefit to see how things, to size things up and be patient. Um, but let's let's not rule out the Ds when it comes to Leafs. Absolutely not. And with that, uh, we have reached uh, the stick taps portion of our show. Do you have a stick tap you'd like to hand out, CJ? I haven't really thought about it. Uh, I forgot it was th- I forgot it was Thursday. Uh, do you know what? I'll give mine to Rasmus <laughs> Dahlin. I'll give mine to Rasmus Dahlin. Probably deserved to be here all along, but word came down today that he's he's going to be an NHL All Star. His teammate Tage Thompson in Buffalo is injured, unable to to be there, and so stick tap to Rasmus Dahlin for getting the all-star nod that he probably deserved from, from the beginning. And also that he obviously made a last minute decision, whatever plans he had that uh, wanted to come down here to South Florida and participate. So kudos to him and a uh, great player. And I think we'll see him in a lot more all-star games going forward. Um, I don't really have a great stick tap in terms of like someone cool in the NHL did something great or someone uh, around the sports world did something amazing. So I'm just going to give it to uh, one of my friends, Solomon Valji, who, uh, uh, I know was very excited for about a week uh, or so uh, that he was going to be doing some rinkside reporting uh, during uh, the Connor Bedard game uh, against the Calgary Hitmen on Wednesday. So uh, I'm pretty sure he's pretty happy about that opportunity. Uh, I mean, you've obviously seen him on TSM before, but uh, the idea of covering a game with the perspective number one overall pick is a big deal. Who knows where Connor Bedard will end up? as a NHL superstar down the line. And you can always point to a moment like that early on in your career and say, hey, I was that guy who got to work ringside and do a pregame interview with Connor Bedard, among other things. So uh, and I they sold out the game to my good friend Solomon. And they sold they out sold, the game. Sold out an NHL arena for a WHL game. Like that's, yes. this Connor Bedard Insane. thing, like it's not going, it's not going anywhere. Like seriously. And he scored again. Nope. Like what's he up to? 45 goals, 44 goals in like 35 games. Anyway, it's like a 34 gonna, game point streak too. Like he's, he's killing 30. Yeah. He only didn't, he got held off the board in the first game of the season. He had 10 shots in the first game, but he got, he didn't have a point and he's had a point in every game since. And he's had like five or six in a few games. So anyway, this I, I'm loving the story. Like I am, I am all on the hype train. Like I, I usually don't like to get in that. I, you know, I'm usually a little gun shy, like putting too much pressure and, and, you know, let's face it, it's very few players step into the league and make a real difference in year one. I, I have no doubt that he's going to do that. I think he's he's yeah, going to change I, I, a team, so whichever too. team ends up getting him. So uh, it's it's just cool to see what he's done, how he's handled it. Like, seems like a really awesome kid. I actually spoke to Frankie Corrado, my buddy who was out there doing the game in Calgary, and he had a chance to speak to, mm-hmm. to Connor yesterday and was really impressed by him. So anyway, keep it going, Connor. And that was pretty cool that Calgary's selling out an NHL rink for a WHL game. They haven't even sold out that many NHL games this year by comparison. If you want to know well, how crazy that is. You, you don't, you're not getting the next one through your building every day, right? Nope. 35-game uh, point streak, and he's had 44 goals and 89 points in that span. <laughs> Insanity. Like he, <laughs> is, that, like is, that your, 50, is that truck noise? Is that a wagon noise? 50 and 50 is like not even a question, right? Now you're saying, like, is there a chance he gets to 50 and 39 to match Wayne Gretzky's NHL record? It's not a guarantee, but I wouldn't I wouldn't bet against him. He had – anyway, I don't want to ramp up the pressure more, sense. but he's going to have, like, 50 and 40 or something like that. Man, Connor Bedard, the phenom that he is. Uh, and that's going to bring us to the end of uh, the CJ show for this Thursday. Uh, I'll let you get back out to the sun. Uh, if uh, I hang, if I keep you around long enough, you're going to unbutton more of those buttons on your shirt. No, this is the limit. This, this is a family is show. Limit. Thank God. Um, please, uh, for those watching uh, or listening, get your questions in now for Ask CJ on Monday, whether through Twitter, whether through Discord. 
And don't forget to uh, tweet at us the uh, trivia, the answer to the trivia question uh, at what uh, fast food restaurant CJ once worked at uh, for your chance to win a $100 gift card to Beer Town across select locations in Ontario. Thank you, producer Drew, for tapping in for producer Nick. Uh, mix on a water while you're out in Florida, CJ. We'll talk to you guys. We'll talk to you again. The Chris Johnson Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.